FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast that goes snicked. A flashback episode with Marvel Comics presents Black Shadow, White Shadow. Flashback! Yeah, and we'll try not to make it a race thing, right? <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. Right out of the gate. <laughs> right. right? Anyway, I am your so, host. So wait a second, so like yeah. the, ultimate per- the ultimate character in all this is black, white, and Asian. Oh, wow, yeah. So he's like a panda bear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hit me in a spot I did not expect. <laughs> oh, that was great. Well, you may be wondering who these voices are. I'm sure you've heard them all by now. But just in case, I am your host, Jason. What? Why jump a shark where I can just ride on the back of it in my shorty shorts, Venable? And I'm joined by special co-host, John Smell It Wilson. <laughs> Why can't I ride the shark in my shorty shorts? Actually, are you in your shorty shorts on the cover, or are you in your costume in the internal art? Because uh, right. that, that's two different Jason Venables there. <laughs> when in doubt, always go with the shorty shorts. <laughs> okay. Did they snicked on the back? Yes. <laughs> yes, with my Magnum PI hairy legs. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, yes, we're here to talk about an epic ten, <laughs> whopping ten parts of Black Shadow, White Shadow, which stars Wolverine in Hong Kong. Um, you know, Jason, remember the last time, was it the last time I was, no, it was two times ago that I was on here, we talked about the, the ten part Marvel Comics Presents storyline that launched this series, and yeah. we had a really good time. Yes, we did. Remember, remember, Remember those days? Remember? That, was, that was nice. <laughs> you remember when you vowed to, to trudge through all of Marvel Comics Presents with me? <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling you may be backing out of that. <laughs> well, you know, I am happy to take one for the team. I'll bend over, just, you know, <laughs> use something to make it go in nicely. Right. <laughs> anyway, this will be a, a fun little story to talk about. Um you know, there's some, some hit podcast history that we'll kind of get to in a, about, I don't know, two-thirds of the way through the episode as well. But we're going to start with, with part one, which is Marvel Comics Presents number 38. Um, yeah, this is our story, Black Shadow, White Shadow, part one of ten. Uh, written by Marv Wolfman, which I'm, I, I'm supposed to be taking better notes since keeping a spreadsheet. Man, I've not been a good podcaster. Um, but I'm pretty sure this is Marv Wolfman's first time on the podcast that goes nicked. Um, I do believe you are correct. I can't think of another story he would have written. Certainly nothing from Uncanny. Right. And uh, I don't think Wolverine had any appearances in the Wolfman run on Spider-Man. No, I do not believe that he did. And I thought, well, maybe, in the, you know, for some reason in the back of my mind, I thought maybe Wolfman contributed to the the story for uh, Uncanny X-Men Teen Titans, but I don't, he's not credited with anything, so. Uh, uh, that would have made sense, though, because it's a new Teen Titans. Yeah. But, 
But alas, anyway, so yeah, welcome to the podcast, Tamar Wolfman. Um, hear lots of good things about him on the um, Crisis to Crisis podcast. Um, you, know, you know, he was a big part of the first year of post-crisis Superman, and yeah. I've been I've been rereading those issues with my son, and they're a bit wordy. And right. honestly, of his first three issues, I've only really enjoyed one of them. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, but I like the ideas that he brought in. Right. He, he created Cat Grant. Um, and I like, I tend to enjoy Marv Wolfman overall. Yeah, I would say overall I like him. Um, so uh, also our art is by regular Wolverine. Actually, he at this point was just getting ready to depart the solo series. But uh, art by John Mishima. Letters by Phil Felix. And colors by Nell Yamtov. And I didn't verify as I went through. Are those letters and colors the same all the way through? No, I think so. I, I don't think our credits... No. Oh, wait. Yeah, I don't think our credits change at all. Okay. So we can just kind of get that out of the way. I'll keep an eye out. If something changes, I'll bring it up. But otherwise, we can just assume that's the, the credits for all the issues. If uh, you miss it, they probably won't mind too much. Well, I'm sure they're all ardent listeners. But... um. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, our cover, our wraparound cover, is by Mark Badger. Badger? We don't need no stinking badger. You know, we really don't. I'm looking at this cover. (laughs) That was a fun little sketchy, cartoony cover with Excalibur taken front and center. Uh, My favorite thing about the cover, besides the wackiness of the Excalibur story, is that it's a wraparound cover, but if you don't wrap it around and you just look at the front, there's these random three Wolverine claws that look, look like they're about to stab Megan in the butt. <laughs> Just for no reason. Like, yeah. hello, I, I'm, in, I'm back in the comic. Here are my claws. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she kind of has a balloony butt, so it looks like he's trying to pop it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Megan is usually drawn with a bit of a bubble. Um, yeah, I guess it's worth pointing out that this is Wolverine's return to the title yeah. after it was given to several other X-related characters. Right. But beginning with this story, we, with his cover on the next issue, this is his book. Yes. Yep. This is his book basically forever. Um, <laughs> Until it stops, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's other characters that also lay a pretty big claim on it. Um Thing, Ghost thing, Rider comes Ghost to Ghost Rider, yeah, it would be the, the big one, especially as you get into the, the mid-90s. But, um, but yeah, this is, the, this is the last part of an eight-part Excalibur story by Eric Larson that was um, pretty fun. Um, involved mean, arcade and yeah, a bunch Eric of Looney Michael Higgins, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Who, so, do you, I don't, I'm not familiar with Michael Higgins. Um, as far as I know, this is the only thing I've ever read. Um, he he did several Excalibur stories whenever Claremont wasn't there. He did oh, a couple other things. Okay. Um, do you remember the four-part annual crossover, Days of Future Present? Yeah, with uh, New Warriors. No. It introduces um, friggin' what's his name? The guy from the future who's in charge of Phoenix. It starts with an Ahab. Oh, yes. And it had like adult... Franklin coming back from the future and right, right, wreaking right. havoc. And, and so was that was a Michael Higgins story. That's probably the okay. biggest thing he's done. Um, he's he's alright. Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> it was a fun little story involving Looney Tunes and 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're, we're not here to really talk about that. <laughs> we're here to talk about Wolverine coming back to the, the comic that he started. Um, all right. So this is part one and here's basically what happens. Patch. Remember that guy is in Hong Kong. A city street is vaporized. Looters arrive on the scene, which I'm assuming was some, um, late nineties hip hop, but, um, Patch saves a few cops and helps them subdue the looters. He's curious about what happened, but is in Hong Kong for other reasons. And that's pretty much the, the synopsis. Um, there's my favorite panel is probably, I don't know what your page numbers are like, but, um, on page 30, which is, yeah, I've got the, I've got the printed page numbers. Okay, cool. So there's a part where he kicks a big boulder and a little poop comes out of his butt. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not the last time it'll happen in this story. And then he has, a you little... know, I'm sure it was intended to be the sound of him kicking the boulder, but that does not make a boot sound. No, <laughs> it doesn't make a poot sound. And it sounds like, like he had gas and when he kicked the boulder, it like pushed it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you exert the abdominal muscles, right, and yeah. sometimes it just happens. <laughs> it's really awkward when you're in an um, intimate situation, but, you know. Right. <laughs> happens to the best of us. Um. <laughs> and the worst of us. Yeah, I can yeah. attest to that. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, this is a simple little story, a simple little chapter, and if it weren't for a couple of lines of inner monologue from Wolverine hinting at portents, this would almost just stand alone as a little Wolverine scene. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little vignette of, of Wolverine in Hong Kong helping out some cops and busting out some leaders. Um, I thought the art was fine. The story was fine. Um, nothing really to hang your hat on, but yeah, just a good little run-of-the-mill Wolverine dust-up. Um, any other comments on this first chapter? <laughs> I, I have a few little notes. Yeah, yeah, um, hit them. So we're not in Madripoor. We're in Hong Kong. Right. Which... I thought it was a nice change, but I wasn't sure why they were doing it. And I think that Marv Wolfman had been exposed recently to some aspects of Hong Kong culture that he wanted to bring into a comic. Ah. So mm-hmm. that's just that's my wild guess. Or maybe <laughs> it was John Buscema, since he's the one doing the visuals. My guess is that one of them was in Hong Kong or was exposed to something involving Hong Kong culture. It's like, ooh, I want to do that in a comic. Because really there's nothing about this story that requires it be in Hong Kong. No, and I don't think it's Mishima because this Hong Kong looks a whole lot like his Madripoor. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have the boats and you have the water and you have um, some of that going on, but you could have done all of that off of Madripoor. Right. Um, so, yeah, we have one sympathetic female character in this chapter, and there's zero narration that links her to the sympathetic female character for the rest of the story. But it seems to me like it would probably be the same person. Oh, you think so? I don't know. Oh, I didn't put that together at all. Other than the fact that, I mean, they look similar, but I, I mean, all Bushima's Asian women kind of look pretty similar. So the, the only problem is that she would have to go from a police uniform here to the pink dress, which right? she goes to say Wolverine. But um, pink dress woman says that she's here in this part. She sees what happens with Wolverine, and that's why she wants to save him. Oh, so, okay. Maybe I thought so. it was the only. Otherwise, 
it's just a random female character, which it's okay to have random female characters. You just don't see a whole lot of it, you know, in this stage of comics storytelling. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. Um, he popped his claws to kill a guy because he only pops his claws when he's patched when there are going to be no witnesses. Right. Well, he brings so the wall was... down. He cuts up a gun. Um, it is 1989, so we have our obligatory Uzi scene. Um, Gotta have the Uzis. Or Mac-10, I guess, whatever you want. Whatever your submachine gun of choice is. Um, but yeah. Yeah, lots of just fun little fighting. Lots little, little action. And uh, he mentions that he doesn't look for fights, which... <laughs> sure. He gets into them a lot. I don't look for Oreos either. <laughs> 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 yeah, this, that's about all I had. It's um, it's a nice little standalone story. Actually, this is my favorite part of the entire saga. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Um, I gave this particular chap. Well, you want to talk about the art first? Um, I mean, yeah, we can. It's pretty standard Mishima at this point. I mean, it looks a lot like his Wolverine solo stuff. Um, mm-hmm. That was pretty good. I, I do feel like. And I, this is the thing you normally say about more modern artists. There's definitely, you definitely get the sense that some of the book was done at a more leisurely pace and some of it was done a little quicker. Um, and this, this chapter is one of the better ones, I thought, visually. Mm-hmm. Everything went a little tighter. Um, the opening scene is nice and cool. Like the, the harbor and the, the, the gang on the docks and Wolverine on the roof. Man, Wolverine loves being on the roofs. He, he prowls those roofs, doesn't he? Yes, he does. I don't know if, if um, Hong Kong architecture just allows him to get up there. Like, you turn the page and he's scaling that pipe. Yeah. <laughs> and he so does that. With, with the shutters that hang out, the <laughs> drain pipes and everything, he can just shimmy up and down and crawl along the roofs. And Definitely. <laughs> live up to his name, little weasel. Right. Oh, the weasel. Ooh. There well, should Wolverine's be a character called the weasel. Aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, like big, bad steroid weasels. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all right, so when did you grade this first chapter here? I went ahead and gave this one five out of six thieving scavengers. Wow, okay. All right, I gave it four out I, of six, so not too far off. But Yeah, I liked it. I, I liked it. I thought it, it was... It was Wolverine in his element for this period in his history, and right. it was a well-done scene. Yeah. No, definitely. I, th- I thought so as well. Um, just a couple of things to point out about this comic as well, if you're reading along the other stuff. There's a weird Hulk story where he um, has a heart-to-heart with a, a artist of integrity, a musician of integrity who he doesn't want to sell out to the record company. And it's kind of unremarkable, but the art is by Marshall Rogers, who I've followed more of his career as an adult kind of reading old stuff and kind of up and down. But when he and Terry Austin used to work together on detective comics, that was one of my favorite detective runs like of all time. And his art in this issue looks pretty great. There's um, the opening scene of the Hulk and this is the Mr. Fix it period. He's in a really nice suit and he just looks awesome. Um, but yeah, um, there's also a wonder man enchantress Avengers story that, I found a little hard to get through. Um, I don't know. Did you read any of, either any of that? 
I didn't, but as this Wonder Man story goes along and I kind of saw some of the visuals of what all happens, I feel like this should be a very important Wonder Man story. <laughs> I don't know if it actually is important. I know. Because most of the stuff Marvel Comics presents proves to be the opposite of important. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, until one particular Wolverine story. Yeah. Right, which I actually, in my regular X Men reading, I just started. Oh, nice. Uh, I read 72 just the other day. That's some good stuff. <sighs> Um, good, good, good. <laughs> but yeah, so because because of the things that Wonder Man happens to him in this story, I just I don't know. I feel like this should be important, but it's probably not. Yeah, yeah, uh, the, the only other thing I read in this is Excalibur, and um, the Excalibur story was fun. It had the cartoon characters who were very much pastiches of the Looney Tunes characters. I just felt like the whole thing went on too long. Yeah. Um, because it did the thing where it opened the story and then had a chapter for each of the Excalibur characters and then had a closing <laughs> chapter. And all of that, I don't know, it just was kind of overwrought after a while. Yeah, no doubt. I, I would agree with that. All right. That's it for 38. Should I yeah. go to 39? Yeah, let's go to 39. MCP number 39. Okay, so I use a little site called Mike's Amazing World of Comics, and I get some stats from there. So let's have a little bit of shipping date information for this. It has a copyright date of October 17th of 1989. That's when it shipped out. The cover is by um, one of my Superman faves, Jackson Geis, yeah. with Bob Layton. And we get a shirtless furry Wolverine, or I guess Patch, since he's wearing his little eye patch. <laughs> right. uh, his claws are popped. He's looking over his shoulder at what looks like Clayface's shadow. <laughs> and um, there's a Wendigo claw in the foreground, or a white claw of some sort in the foreground. Right. The caption reads, Shadow Boxing. And while I wouldn't say the cover is anything spectacular, I think it, that what it's doing, it does very well. It's a really solid. I, I like it quite piece. a bit. Um, I like the back cover as well, which has uh, Wonder Man, Spider Man, and Hercules, all of which look pretty great. I thought. I really do like that Spider Man. I don't know if I don't know if Jackson guys ever had a run on Spider Man. Not that I it's know. It's a little over inked in some places, but I like it. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, he definitely you see all the little web lines, <laughs> but um. Oh, yeah, check out the palm of that hand. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Uh, <laughs> Which is some of the shadows. I don't know. Some of the shadows don't quite work, I think, the way they should. Right. But uh, I also like Wolverine's little X belt buckle. I think it's cute. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, no, I think it's a great cover. I like the cover, uh, the color. Like, the dark green wall gives a nice contrast to our two shadowy figures. Um, mm -hmm. Which... You know, they haven't revealed who they are yet, but just guessing from the title of the story, I'm assuming that's Black Shadow and White Shadow. Um. <laughs> you you might be. I don't want to spoil anything. You <laughs> might be right on that. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. So, so what happens in this bad boy? So this issue is Chapter 2, The Shadows Strike. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> And it opens with Patch running through the streets and alleys of Hong Kong. The police from last issue have decided, since the last issue, that they have they want to catch him now. So he's running from them. A side door opens and a woman beckons him inside. This pink-dressed woman takes Patch through a smuggling tunnel that the police don't know about because she thinks he is the one. Capital letters. And they exit the tunnel at the docks. Her name is Mai. And she introduces Patch to a half-naked, bald muscle dude named Shao. 
Uh, Xiao is less than impressed with Patch and tries to punch him because that's what you do when you're a half-naked bald muscle dude. <laughs> but Patch grabs his punch and squeezes it, just enough to cause some pain without any lasting injury. And this love fest is interrupted by a man running up, shouting that the black shadow has appeared outside in the market. Xiao wants to attack. Mai says no, because uh, he must be stopped where he began, whatever that means. Right. But Patch doesn't listen and heads out. The police show up from nowhere, ha ha, hoo hoo, hee hee, and they start <laughs> shooting at a large black cartoon monster. Uh, imagine a black blobby monster, basically built like Clayface from Batman, right. but the only details are white isolates and a white gaping maw. Um, its danger that it poses becomes apparent when it picks up an officer and smushes him to his belly, um, <laughs> absorbing him. <laughs> Logan pops his claws and throws a punch at the monster, burying his arm up to the elbow in the dark mass. And when he pulls his arm out, it is all but frozen, covered in ice and frost. This gives him some pretty intense pain. And thrown off by the pain, he succumbs to the black monster's pummeling. But just as Patch is starting to fade out, he notices another monster show up. This one is an inverse of the first, a completely white blob monster with black isolates. Because get it? Black Shadow white shadow that's the name of the story <laughs> there you go <laughs> to be continued yeah yep <laughs> um yeah this is uh i mean again we're in we're in my preferred part of the story so i thought this is a nice little chapter yeah um i like i like the idea of when he stabs the shadow, it freezes his arm, turns him to ice, and that was pretty cool. Um, I agree that the monster design is pretty simple, but I kind of liked it. Kind of reminded me of like Hanna Barbera cartoons. Um, so it it, mm-hmm. it tickled a certain nostalgia bone for me. Um, so I, I was kind of okay with the simple blobby monsters. Um, yeah, what what other notes you got before we talk about the the art? Um, pink dress lady, like we said last time, last issue, I was not sure she, she, I thought she might be the police officer, but I, I realized now that I concluded, I didn't think she was, it just seemed like that was the natural thing we're supposed to conclude, but no. Um, okay. So Shao makes fun of Wolverine for being little and Bushima often does this really well, but he's not always that consistent about it. <laughs> no. Like if you look at page two at the bottom of page two, Wolverine is taller than Mai. Right. But on the very next panel, he's shorter than Mai. Yeah. And um, it's it's difficult to do short man. I, I guess it's difficult to do short man proportions, especially whenever you're the only person in the scene. <laughs> right. But I'll, but there are a lot of times where I noticed that Bushima was doing short man proportions really really well. Like on page four. The second row of panels, um, I mean, he's stocky. Even if Shao weren't there, you would know that was a short man. Yeah. No, Shao looks like he's shrinking when Wolverine grabs his fist. <laughs> yeah, he does a bit. <laughs> um, this is the second time that Wolverine has harped on the fact that he never starts fights. <laughs> I know that that's not universal, but there are a lot of times where he's shown just sitting in a bar, right. having a smoke, having a drink, and trouble erupts around him. Um, I was thinking of the, the the first Wolverine scene from the first X-Men film 
when he's yeah. just sitting in that bar, not looking for any trouble. <laughs> but yeah, he does fine. manage to find fights a lot of the time anyway. Yeah. Um, the police do show up out of nowhere, and it was weird because we were hiding from them two seconds ago. Right. And she was talking about how this is a place the police never knew about. And I guess she was just talking about the tunnel because once they're back on the docks, they're out in the open. But they show up from out of nowhere. Um, and I I see what you mean about the monster, and it is very simplistic. If it were the worst part of this story, I would feel a lot more sympathetic toward it. <laughs> um, but, yeah. On page seven, panel four... It took less than a second to feel the cold shooting through me. If I didn't have adamantium-laced bones and lightning reflexes, blah, 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 blah. Um, having metal on your bones is not going to help you endure harsh cold. No, no. And, and Marv Wolfman doesn't understand this. <laughs> and I actually wrote in my notes several times where it shows up. I might not mention them all, so I'm just going to get the rant out of the way now. Metal is a conductor. Right. If there is heat being bled out of you, metal's going to let that get sucked right out. <laughs> <laughs> your flesh is not going to be happy that there is metal pulling your heat away. Right. <laughs> so his healing factor could help him stand up to the cold. That's fine. But the metal bones, not so much. I just wanted someone to go lick his claw and get their tongue stuck. That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> the boy from... from <laughs> Christmas Story? The, 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 yes, the Christmas... Yeah, <laughs> He, he likes it only instead of getting his tongue sucked, it gets sliced open. Right. <laughs> so I'm kind of torn on this chapter because it was a very well-told chapter and I was kind of digging it until we got to the monsters, which I just kind of hate. Um, but what, what are your other thoughts on this? Oh, no, the art was pretty good again. Um, I was kind of bored a little bit. The story, um, I feel like we're, we're two chapters in and nothing's really happened to let us sink our teeth into it yet. Um, Mm -hmm. So I gave number 39 three out of six claws. Okay. Um, I went down to four out of six um, frozen forearms. (laughs) So, because, yeah. And I wasn't bothered too much by the fact that not a lot happened here. There is quite a bit of action, but not a lot happening in each chapter is definitely going to be a thing we talk about. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's no reason. For, we'll just, I'll say right now, no reason for this to be 10 chapters. But, um, <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. So we already talked about the Wonder Man story. Uh, we also start in this one, a Hercules story, which I found... Almost impossible to read. I like the art, though. I thought the art was good. Uh, I think it's by Bob... Yeah, by Bob Layton. Um, there's a Spider-Man story that is a theme I discovered in Marvel Comics Presents about very preachy... Um, mostly stories I would probably agree with the point. just don't really like the way they're told, necessarily. Um, this one particularly is about animal testing um, with makeup and stuff like that. Um, and again, I would probably agree with the writer's stance. It's just it's it just comes on really strong. <laughs> yeah, um, the comics have always been one of those things that try to address current issues, and sometimes they do it well, and sometimes they do it really clumsily. Right. Um, I can imagine a young reader not really being aware, and yeah, maybe that's this true. is 
an eye-opening kind of situation. Right. In that we, case, we, we, we turn into teenagers and then adults, we get kind of cynical, but theoretically, there's a 10-year-old somewhere reading this going, oh, poor animals. True, and if that's the case, then, then get on them. It also is some very early Aaron Lepresti, and I butchered his name, I'm sorry, Aaron Lepresti art, um, which I enjoyed that. I mean, it doesn't What work. would he go on to do? Uh, he would go on to do some Wonder Woman stuff later, um, and then also, if you remember CrossGen at all, he was I one know, of the, I remember the name. Yeah. I never read it. Uh, some of it was really good, some of it was not so much, but he was one of the first guys to to kind of join CrossGen with um, Steve McNiven and some of those guys. So, you know, some of whom went on, like Steve McNiven, Jim Chung, pretty big artist at Marvel now. Um, and Will Preston went on to do some other stuff, but he's fun to follow on Twitter as well. So, anyway. Okay. Yeah, so that's that chapter. Uh, let's move on to chapter three and number 40, Hong Kong Inferno. Everything's the same. This time our cover is by Marshall Rogers. Um, Wait, is it time for Inferno? Yeah, it's Hong Kong Inferno. <laughs> That's my Inferno joke of the day. Oh, <laughs> sorry. And I stomped all over it. I, mean, I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Inferno is just one of those things that never stops having repercussions. No, so, no, yeah. it never. It, it, this story can have used some Inferno repercussions. Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, on the cover, we have a front cover that's pretty cool looking. We have some Hong Kong boats in the harbor. Wolverine holding on to a rope, a very skinny Wolverine. Um, then we have a, a pirate princess with a Han Solo blaster. Looks fine. The back looks weird, but it's just three guys standing there, but... The Wonder Man is a very close-up on the face, but there's, like, no feature. So it's very strange. Uh, <laughs> and Hercules just looks like a big old bear ready to, to wrestle you into Yeah, it. I do not like the back of this book at all. I don't no. even know what an Overmind is. But so that, that aside, I don't, I don't really care for what's going on in the back. I do like the front. I yeah. like the tone. I like the, the aesthetic. It's a little stiff. Right. And he doesn't use his costume in the comic. And I, I am annoyed whenever the comic and the cover don't agree <laughs> on whether or not he's in costume. If you're going to do just a Wolverine, you know, badass Wolverine scene shot, then that, it doesn't really matter. But if you're doing a scene from the story, which this is ostensibly, even though I don't think Maya ever pulls a gun in this, in this chapter, um, you know, they are on a boat going through the night and everything. Right. But, um, but not when he's in costume, so... And it just doesn't look like Wolverine. He looks like too too tall and too skinny. Yeah, he, and this is an example of tall art. You know, the right. proportions and everything are for a taller man. And that's... Yeah. that's... Not not our Wolverine. Um, but yeah, so in this, in this chapter, the Black Shadow and White Shadow wrestle with Kirby Crackle. As they fight, they release destructive energy beams. Patch saves Mai, but is stunned. As he blacks out, he dreams in exposition. He came to Hong Kong for a dead woman. He decides to go to China with his new friends. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, not a lot happening in this. No. Um, Nothing happens in this, really. Uh. 
again. We had the metal bones thing. Is it narratively odd that we're getting this set up for the story all the way in part three? Yes, it is. Well, and I don't think the story really makes sense at this point. Um, Because in part one, he didn't have time to investigate the, the street and what caused the street to disintegrate. But in this chapter, we find out that his other business was his friend who got vaporized. So you would think he would have already put... Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if Wolfman, like, changed his mind about how the story connected or or what happened well, the, there. Yeah, and the way I put it together is that he found out that she was destroyed and uh, the city block or town square, whatever that he was investigating, was the site of that destruction. Right. And then by overhearing from Xiao and Chun and Mai he realizes that the shadows are what caused that. So he's with them to help pursue that information. You are correct that it's not really told very well. And when you get to the end of the story and they resolve this plot line, (laughs) there are some elements that feel like I'd never heard about before. I don't (laughs) think they're mentioned here. Um, Like the, the terrible father and he's looking for the kids for their grandparents, all that other, I, I, I don't, Unless I was just not reading very carefully. It also feels like the background scene is interrupted. Like there was going to be more to help flesh it out, except that he gets woken up by Mai. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I hate his wake up face, too, in this, this issue. It's <laughs> <laughs> very, very disturbing looking. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm sure my wake-up face isn't pretty either, but, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> Are you, is, on page seven, that last panel of Shao saying, do we go to China, is that more of your, what your wake-up face should be? Is that Wolverine's wake-up face? Yeah, yeah, you know, frowning, <laughs> <laughs> scowling, getting ready to like watch how, Beast get makeup. <laughs> I like how Shao is um, friendly to Wolverine now. He's like, it's time for to apologize. Some people say they'll help and that they don't, so... Um, too few or as good as their word and their it's just like you know he's he's a nice bald muscle dude although now fully dressed yeah well you know he, he found a shirt or maybe he put <laughs> one together from the shirt that got blown off of Wolverine I don't know <laughs> and this chapter goes out on a weird ominously philosophical note that is a nice piece of writing yeah it doesn't feel like it has any bearing on where Logan is with his life and where the story is in his life and everything else like that right now. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, it was a nice little wax poetic, but yeah, I'm with you. And it kind of feels just kind of thrown in. Just Wolfman's like, oh, I have a good line. Let's put it here. <laughs> but yeah, so what'd you what'd you grade number forty? Okay, so the monsters disappeared pretty quickly, and we got the stories set up, but nothing really happened. But the writing carried me through. Uh, it didn't. There was nothing in the story to impress me, and also because I wanted some room to go later, I'm sticking with four out of six nice bald muscle dudes with varying amounts of clothing. Okay, I think we're going to head in opposite directions at this point. Um... At this point, I was ready to be done with the story. I was uh, disengaged <laughs> and didn't really care anymore. Um, I'm going to give this chapter two out of six claws. <laughs> okay. So let's, we'll see, listeners, if we 
reconverge or if we cross on the way to different directions. That is, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But um, why don't we move on to number 41? Okay, Marvel Comics Presents 41 has a copyright and shipping date of November 14th, 1989. And the Steve Purcell cover has an almost naked Wolverine with his shorty shorts that say snicked on the butt. He's riding a shark. And the caption says, shark bait. (laughs) Covers Um, don't get any better than this. This is, this is a pretty fantastic cover. The only thing that I have against it is what I said earlier, that covers have a hard time of matching whether he's wearing the costume or not. This is a scene from the story, right. and in this scene in the story, he is wearing his costume. Right. But instead, we get, you know, naked Logan, which, you know, I'm fine with naked men on my covers. But, um, yeah. Oh. But it, it's a pretty fun cover. And on the back of the comic... Uh, it's it's not a wraparound. It's just another image of Freedom Force because they have a story in this. Yeah. Hercules and Wonder Man both have continuing chapters of their stories. And uh, just all those people are in a group looking up at the camera in varying states of, look at me, and oh my God. <laughs> Somewhere between there. Right. Whose face you're looking at. Yeah. Um, part four of Black Shadow, White Shadow is entitled... China Beachhead, and with the the C H H in the middle, just I don't. It took me a second to decipher exactly what that word was, <laughs> but I don't know why. Um, Patch, my Xiao and Chun have left Hong Kong East, out of Victoria Harbor, when they are overtaken by Border Patrol, and Border Patrol board because that's what Border Patrol do. Although the board for boarding a boat and the board and border patrol are different boards, but hey, that's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, tangent. <laughs> they check out the boat, give them the okay, and tell them not to go any farther east because there are problems at the Chinese border, a story element that will not get any resolution. Nope. Um, but they keep going east anyway. Maybe there's just problems between Hong Kong and China right now. I don't know. I don't know my Hong Kong and China history because I am way too ethnocentric, and I apologize. (laughs) Um, But they keep going anyway. The next morning, they're in a frontier-like area of China with like the Chinese equivalent of cowboys wrangling horses, uh, because that's actually important to the story, so I mention it. Uh, They are near the shore, so Patch changes to his Wolverine duds. Can step into something more comfortable, baby. Or a bub. <laughs> and uh, dives into the ocean. He kills a shark. Yeah. He wrestles and kills a shark for their breakfast. Uh, they put into land. They cook and eat their sharky meal. And they talk about the terrible things that Black Shadow has done to their lives. Chun is a professor who watched more than half of his students get killed. Xiao's farm is destroyed and his grandparents are dead. Uh, Mai lost her husband and her baby girl, and they had all known the man who became the Black Shadow. But our story has cut off when a bunch of horses attack them for no reason because horses are terrible. Yeah, stinky horses who smell. And yeah, smell it, Mai. Smell it. Smell it. Because <laughs> she can't hear anything because she's deaf in two ears and can't hear a bunch of horses. Right. Galloping who, toward them. Who are literally it's one of those things you hear for like them. ten minutes before it gets there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then there's horses, you know. Right. But 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 no. Um, 
Um, so this is, I think, the last chapter that I actually enjoyed. Oh. Uh, I, I liked on page three, whenever they're just chilling on the boat and Mai's flirting with Logan and she, and he's asleep. I love that. <laughs> She's like, and you, is there anyone you love? Patch? Patch? <sighs> and to put it in the cool kids lingo, I wrote that feel when you're flirting and Bay falls asleep. Right. I wondered if he was faking. <laughs> Dude, I think I, I concluded later that he was because later right. when they, when they, you know, have Harry sexy time. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking that he was like, not really. Cause also we've seen Logan able to wake up at the drop of a pin. Right. He sleeps with like three ears open. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure he was just ignoring her. Yeah. And then he puts on his Wolverine duds to kill a shark. Yeah. His hunting impressive. clothes. I thought that was an interesting little phrase. Yeah. <laughs> I love how he, he literally chucks the shark back over the side of the boat, into the boat. Like, this shark, yeah. which probably outweighs him four to one. He's like, all right, get ready, everybody. <laughs> okay, I'm noticing something here. Page four, when you get the, you get the good views of him full body in his suit. Mm-hmm. Those patches of skin on his torso and arms, aren't those usually orange? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's a miscolor. Um, well, it's miscolored throughout. Is it? Oh, yeah. This right. is an alternative costume where it's actually a, a strip of fabric up his chest. Right. Yeah. Where his sides are exposed. That's weird. I don't like that at all. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit. It's a. It's. It's not. That's what happens when you hang out with Colossus too much. Male nudity, but it's. It's. You know. <laughs> yeah. Too much um, Colossus. Um. He kills a shark for breakfast. Yeah, because as you do when you're Wolverine, you cut your arm to let the shark smell your blood, <laughs> and you use your claw because that's what you know. You gotta right. use your claws as often as possible. Well, he doesn't have vampire teeth, otherwise he'd use those. But I thought it was interesting that he uses his claw to cut his arm. So clearly his claws work just fine underwater. But he wrestles the shark and looks like the equivalent of breaking its neck. Like he pops his top jaw backwards to kill it. Mm -hmm. Never stabs it. But, yeah, it's interesting. I think, and he even narrates, one predator against another. The shark's multi-level jaws against my adamantium claws. No, no. You wrestle, you wrestled that bad boy. <laughs> I honestly think he enjoyed the visceral physicality of it. Yeah, right. The um, way he's riding that shark, you know. I think it's worth pointing. Yeah, sharks don't do it like that. Have <laughs> um, you ever seen Nature Channel? It's. I thought it was worth pointing out that. He's killing the shark because they're going to eat it. Because this is the same guy who likes to tag deer in the forest right. just because he can. Right. Yeah. Um, although I would like to point out, I think a shark is way too much meat for the four of them. <laughs> and he could have, like, grabbed a couple of bass instead. And... Right. There were other fish down there. That is correct. Right. But he was, um, he was hungry. <laughs> This is a 1989 comic book, and the treatment of other cultures was very different at the time. The conversation was different. It was very easy for people to gloss over stuff and to just, like, make 
you know, instead of acknowledging differences between different Asian countries, just kind of like gloss it all over. Right. So it was, it was happy for me whenever Wolverine says, I know it's Japanese, but I hope you guys like sushi. Oh, yeah. Nice. Because y'all are Chinese, not right. Japanese. Yeah. They could have just, he could have just made a sushi line without the acknowledgement, but it's just, you know, there's a nice little bit of writing. Um, and the, one of the reasons I liked this chapter is because we get the backstories for the characters, which I feel like is the one place where the stakes for this story become a little human. It humanizes what they're going for a bit. And so, yeah, with, um, with the Wolverine fighting the shark and the, the conversations around the fire explaining why this all matters, I liked this story. All right. I did not. <laughs> All right. No, I mean, I, I agree with your point as far as the characterization. I just, it didn't really, I, it felt like, here's my story, here's my story, here's my story. Like, even in the condensed chapter that we are, like, it just felt like, I don't know, it just didn't really sink into me. We spend half an issue fighting a shark. We end with the promise of Wolverine fighting horses which does not excite me. Um, <laughs> I thought the art slipped a little bit in this issue. Um, okay. Not drastically, but, you know, enough. It just didn't look quite as refined. And now that you pointed out he's wearing a Colossus shirt, I'm really liking even less. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. I was just... I wrote my notes. This is starting to feel like a non-story. Like, it's just... Little random things happening in succession, not really going anywhere. Um, at this point, I was about ready to text you an apology <laughs> for making me read this. Uh. <laughs> okay, so so here's what I actually wrote down in my notes. Again, competent chapter, but nothing's really doing it for me. So four out of six breakfast sharks. Um <laughs> I feel like if, if if a story makes sense and I'm not hating it, then that's in the four to six range for me. Okay. It's only when I start to have negative feelings about a story that I would think that a one to three score is in order, which is about to start happening. Okay. Um, so this is the lower end. I mean, most of these have been the lower end of positive for me, with the exception of the first one. Fair enough. All right. Well, I'm going to give it a two out of six claws. I, I'm... At this point, about done. We'll see if anything can save the story for me. <laughs> Everything that I hate saves the story for you. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. It'll be interesting. <laughs> I did like the Freedom Force story in the back. Yeah. Um, That's my Dave Cockrum, by the way. Um, so it was good to see him pop back into comics. I guess he was still doing stuff back then. I just, nothing that I was reading. Uh, and Scott, yeah, Scott Liddell. Liddell wrote it. Yeah. This is when you're when we're really early in his career and he's just kind of doing stuff here. As far as X-Men goes, he's only doing like a little drop story here and there. Right. We haven't gone into any continuing arcs from him. I think the first of those Oh man, that's like late nineties, right? Oh no, no. He starts Excalibur. he has a run on Excalibur oh, oh, before okay. Alan Davis takes it back over again. Right. So in nineteen ninety one he has a six issue arc on Excalibur. Oh, cool. Well, I'm reading Excalibur for the first time, so all that stuff's going to be brand new for me. Okay. Um, but yeah, you have Mystique being really cool in this. 
because she's pretending to be a person and we the reader don't realize it's mystique it's just this person is behaving kind of weird it turns out it's mystique being very smooth at being completely not smooth <laughs> um, and it was it was fun i mean the the villain group is called the grip and there's this trend that I feel like Marvel didn't really do in the 60s and 70s, but the latter part of the 80s and into the 90s became more of a trend of creating villain groups that were just costume designs, names, and loosely defined power sets. Yes. There's oh, yeah. zero story behind them. In the early days, Marvel always gave their villains at least a little bit of backstory, and these guys are just showing up. Yeah. Um, so and this happens a couple times in in the a uh, couple of the Lubdell um, stories that we come across here, um, and there's one panel that I thought was really interesting because it's uh, very ironic in the rearview mirror. Uh, the last page of the story, Mystique is saying, "I don't like drug dealers, Muerte. They destroy the lives of humans and mutants alike." But then she goes and makes MGH and sells it in Madripoor. So I don't know. <laughs> Well, if she just changed her opinion, she could. I mean, Mystique will go on to be portrayed as very mentally unstable anyway. So, who knows? Uh, (laughs) People can change their opinions over time. Yeah, they can. It happens. Big things, little things, you know, it happens. Things that climb on rocks. Yeah. All right, cool. We ready to move on to number 42? Number 42. Yeah, so this time our cover is by Bob Layton. I really dig this cover. I like Layton's Wolverine. And I really like his Daughters of the Dragon. Looks really cool. Misty and uh, Colleen on the back there hanging out. And the little yellow and white kind of stylized retro background. Um, And this is a really cool wraparound. Yeah, it's nice. You almost don't want just the front cover by itself. The front and back cover are really two halves of a whole. Yeah, they are. And also, you kind of want this story. And it looks like Mm -hmm. these heroes are all facing off against a common adversary. Oh, "Oh." yeah. Like, I would love to see you, like, especially, I mean, Wonder Man, fine. And I don't know a lot about Union Jack. I've read him some Captain America stuff. Seems fine. But really, I would love to see in, in Marvel now, right now, current. You can make the story still happen. I would love to see Wolverine and Daughters of the Dragon hanging out and doing stuff. I think that'd be great. Yeah, and Union Jack is also street level like they are. He's just British street level. Throw Wonder Man out because he's, you know, a demigod level power set. <laughs> right. And he has um, terrible hair. You've got, you've got four street fighters. Wolverine's tougher than the others. But, you know, you could you could do some – you could do a story with this. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely. All right, um, oh, even my turn. All right, um, so in this story, Wolverine redirects the horse stampede and tracks a black shadow to a village he is destroying. One of Wumi's new friends commits suicide via shadow. The white shadow shows up again. Shadow fight! The shadows and the village disintegrate. <laughs> All right, what yeah. do you got? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's really that that's it. It's, yeah. uh, the it's art. going. It's, yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just, I was I was, just I was making sentences. <laughs> we both gave an instance here. Go ahead. Um, 
Um, yeah, I just thought the art was really sloppy, particularly sloppy in this chapter. Um, like his face is on the bottom of page three is like, and I don't know. He still got the he still got the sideless shirt on. Interesting. It's no longer a mistake at this point. This is a choice. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is Nelly Umtov's version of Wolverine's costume. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um. Yeah, I I don't care anymore. Um. So, on page two, Wolverine is like narrating how he does the fight. Okay, so you try running from a stampede, <laughs> and you'll find yourself looking up at move at hooves through blood-soaked eyes. So you do. What's not expected? You go at the lead horse. You grab from underneath its neck and pray you can hold on. And if you happen to be a mutant with special strength and agility, maybe you can pull it off. It's like horse handling tips from your old pal Logan. Right. You know? I want to hear <laughs> Will Ferrell narrate that. Right? <laughs> yeah, the whole horses thing felt like an old school Doctor Who cliffhanger. Like a really highly contrived bit of suspense that is connected to the plot, but only like very tenuously. Right. And, um, and yeah, I thought it was dumb. <laughs> Whenever Shao dives into the black shadow and there's the explosion, I expected him to turn into a bunch of little black shadows. Um, that comes later. It didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. It happens later. That is a um, cool panel. I thought, um, the, the scrub looked pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good page. I agree with you. The art is slipping here, especially on stuff that is not close up. But there are a few panels where he takes his time. He still does my really well most of the times when we see her face. Right, yeah. Uh, Very expressive. He's, he's doing shorthand with Wolverine most of the time, giving him two, almost like his little whiskers in his Hulk 181 costume, <laughs> uh, giving just a couple little lines for his cheekbones on either side of his face, and that's... That's the only definition of Wolverine's face you get. Right. Um, Close-up of Shao on page five is one of the best faces in the story. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I'm looking at that right now. As manic and chaos evil as, as Black Shadow has been, whenever White Shadow shows up and actually communicates by pointing, I was kind of surprised. <laughs> and as we as we leave this chapter... You know, we've we've been pursuing the monsters. We've seen a climactic thing. Shao's given his life. Earlier, we heard all their backstories, so I know how they're fighting. I feel like the pursuit of the monsters was your second act, and I feel like we're going into the third act. Maybe there's one part to, to find the monster and attack it, and one other part to resolve the action. John. We still have five John, parts yeah, left. We're is, only halfway through the story. This is part five of ten. <laughs> yeah. Of ten. So... I, I, I was I felt like I was starting to dip like you 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 were done um, I was gonna give it a three I but am. I was still feeling generous and Shao did give his life for this <laughs> for this so I bumped it back up to four four mm-hmm. out of six kamikaze grenade attacks okay I'm gonna stay at two out of six um, I like the Union Jack story <laughs> good yeah it was fun. And then um, the Daughters of the Dragon story was kind of silly, but it was fun, too. Um, I like the art in the Daughters of the Dragon story. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it. It's, the hair is so 80s, but I'm yes. digging the art. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they, they save a circus, which, you know, that's kind of a, a comic book thing to do, right? Yeah. yeah. 
maybe it's the same circus that the X-Men were trapped in. Maybe. Maybe so. All right. So we're going we're gonna to switch to the part of the podcast where I decide that the best part about this story is all the cool covers. <laughs> so, <I'm> t- <laughs> so who does a cover for number 43? <laughs> okay. Uh, Marvel Comics Presents 43 has a copyright and shipping date of December 12th, 1989, which... If you were a newsstand shopper and you got your comics later than the direct market, um, this would have hit just after the first of the year. So this has been the first issue of 1990. Oh, nice. Uh, if you were like picking up at the Kroger or whatever. Um, and who else to usher in the 90s? <laughs> but Eric Larson on the cover. Yeah, Wolverine buddy. Is, huh? Then yeah, buddy. I like this cover. Yeah. Wolverine is bounding through the forest with a shredded costume. His claws are bare, and I can only assume that he's attacking Barnabas Collins because the caption says Dark Shadows. <laughs> and if you don't get that joke, you have not seen nearly enough 1960s gothic soap operas. <laughs> but Eric Larson is my aesthetic. This is just a cool cover. I just like yeah. it. He's... I'm pretty sure this is the first Eric Larson Wolverine to be published. I'm pretty sure. You did, of course, Sabretooth just right before this and the assassination. Well, I guess it was a little bit before because that was summer, right, of 89. But, um, yeah, I did, did Sabretooth, um, and now he gets a chance to do a nice, just big, action-packed Wolverine cover, which is pretty great. Yeah, the um, I was trying to think that Eric Larson does have a three-parter Spider-Man Wolverine, I think. Yeah, that um, comes up pretty. I think actually right after this, I think. Oh, is it right? So that's our next time we talk. Cool, yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, the sixth part of Black Shadow, White Shadow is entitled Haven, and I don't even know why. <laughs> it's not applicable to the story that I can see. So you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Wolverine wakes up. Mayan Chin are gone. He goes after them. The shadows are in a huge castle of Chinese ruins. Mayan Chun get there. Wolverine's not far behind them to be continued. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, <laughs> all right. So I thought the great, the opening page I thought was really fantastic. Um, he talks about at night I dream of friends no longer near me, of loves beyond my touch, bittersweet reminders that I am, as always, alone. And he knows he wakes up, no one is there. He he jumps awake. That yeah. that's that's the Wolverine alarm clock you're used to, right? He right. Jumps up, ready to fight at first breath. Um, finds an old man, searches for his friends. So, I'm. What turns this story for me is not the monsters, but this first several pages of him and his internal dialogue and kind of how he relates to the X-Men and, and there's a mention of Mariko. Um, and that, that stuff was all stuff that I dug. Um, I thought the art, that page where they show the temple and then the three panels below was one of my favorite pages of the whole story. I just, it's pretty intense stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It just looks, it looks great. Um, whatever he was using for reference for that, for that, and again, I don't know if you call if you call giant structures like that in China. I don't know if they're called castles or not. That's the best record I can think of. And maybe that's the uh, the uh, the haven. Right. Maybe. It turns out that's yeah. where the shadows live. Yeah, I think it was more like like a temple, but 
Yeah, Castle works too. Um, but yeah, no, there's really not a whole lot that necessarily happens. Um, I don't know. I just I thought the art picked back up, and I really enjoyed kind of the internal. I feel like we get more inside Wolverine's head than we did the first five chapters, um, and I yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah, because sometimes in the story we have like random bits of poetic monologue. We've talked about a couple of them already. There will be more. Yeah. Um, but this actually dwells inside his head for a while, and I'm a sucker for things like nostalgically thinking about Mariko and Amiko. That's that 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 pulls my Wolverine strings. Yeah, yeah, um, me too. It's really the only page of this chapter that I actually liked. Um, I do, however, I did write down a tangent. So, okay, page two, last panel, whenever he's smelling my perfume in the dirt, because Uh you can do that. (laughs) He says, I should leave her and return to Hong Kong. I hate that word, should. And I'm going to go, okay, the word should, all right? It should be avoided. It should be avoided. I, 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 I like to avoid it. It's very problematic because it gets used a lot in place of, oh, I have an idea of another way that things could go or could have gone. But instead, people say they should go that way or should have gone that way, implying that their random idea is automatically the better choice. Um, and that's a problem. And if you th- if you're guessing that I have strong opinions about online fandom discourse <laughs> and how it often goes very poorly, you would you you might be onto something there. What? Also, I try to use the I try to avoid using the word "should" when talking to my spouse. Yes, good good marital advice. Because um, uh, most sentences that start with "you should" are not recommended. No, no, I, I yeah, I. I You'd be hard pressed to find a sentence like that that ends well. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um. You. I guess the only thing I would say maybe is that there are times when you can use the word "should" as far as is this choice being true to myself, you know? And mm-hmm. in that case, there are. I think sometimes. I mean, you have to know who you are, and you have to know what options are better for you. Um, and, and actually, that's kind of what Wolverine's doing here. It's right. me think of stuff because he's he's governing his, he's trying to make choices about what he's going to do here and what he you know what would be better and what would be worse. And right, he's fine. He's he's a good Wolverine. Yeah. Um, right. So I feel like this is the part where we're going to diverge a little bit. So what did you uh, what did you grade number forty three? Three out of six failed mountain climbs. Uh, we're not too far off. I jumped up a little bit to four out of six claws. Um, yeah. I was really confused because Mai wants to leave Wolverine behind whenever Chun's like arguing with her, but she's the one who really wanted him in the first place because right. he was the one. <laughs> the, one. the one. I don't know if it's what? her romantic feelings about him are getting in the way or what, but. Uh, she's mad she fell asleep when she talked about love. Oh, that's probably. Hell hath no fury, like a stereotype <laughs> scorn. Right. <laughs> There is a really cool uh, basketball Iron Man scene. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty awesome page. I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I want that to be the, the poster image of Iron Man 4. Iron yes. Man like, Iron Man Space Jam. And then there's a siren story, which 
I will, there will be times in my comic reading career I will be a fan of Larry Stroman. This was not one of them. Yeah, I like Siren a lot. I don't even know why, but she's one of my favorite X characters. Um, this was not a great story. It's another random villain team. It was uh, coincidentally another Scott Labdell story. Um, there's a guy in the villains called Wee One, and he's a leprechaun because it's <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> But I really want to know if he is acquainted with the other leprechauns who are in the castle of Cassidy Keep. Oh, yeah. Because there are other leprechauns here just hanging out, doing whatever leprechauns do, knowing Wolverine's real name for no reason. Um, (laughs) And I I am seriously not okay with the fact there is a female character named Dyke. It's weird. I don't care. It's, weird. it's that not the same like, reference, but it is weird. Yeah, it, it's she has water powers, and she's like the only thing stopping water from pouring into this dimension. I don't, I don't friggin' care. Right. That there's a homonym involved. You should not <laughs> name your female character, or really anyone, really. Dyke. No, it's not, not especially not, not anymore. Nice. Yeah. I did laugh at the part where Boulder says he was told to ex- to expose it at every opportunity when he was in supervillain training. I just love that they oh, all went to supervillain training before they did this. It's funny. So I need to finish reading this because I, <laughs> I didn't, but it sounds like fun. You make it sound intriguing. <laughs> there were some good, because Lobdell has, he dialogues really well. Yes, he does. His story ideas wax and wane in, in awesomeness. Um, I loved some parts of his Superman run from a couple years ago. Not bad. And some parts not so much. I'm really liking uh, his current Red Hood book. Really good. Yeah, Red Hood is often really, really good. He dialogues really well. And so he's easily readable, although sometimes you come away from his stories going, uh, and sometimes his, I hate to speak other people around here, but sometimes his questionable views on sexuality show up in story, but, um, but for the most part, I enjoy him. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Ready for number 44? No. No. Yes. So this cover (laughs) is by a guy I didn't even know was drawing back then. Um, I know, right? It doesn't even look like his stuff. No, either. it doesn't at all. But it's uh, Brian Hitch. And yeah, Brian Hitch. There are two things I don't care for. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the super curvy claws. And it's weird the Black Shadow is trying to grow Wolverine. But other than that, I really like this cover. I like his Wolverine in general, claws aside. And I like how the white shadow is kind of melting over the logo, it feels like. Or, I was like, I was reading that as like the icy, frosty stuff that happens to Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, and then his back cover is pretty cool too. We have Wonder Mullet fighting Thor. His puma looks pretty sweet, and even this weird trash clown creature we get in the Doctor Storm or Doctor Storm Doctor Strange story looks great. Like, I don't know. Puma but, looks a lot better here than it does inside the book. Yes, he does. That is, that is true. Um, <laughs> right. uh, this 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 cover sort of parallels and mirrors the issue 39 cover when he was not in his costume black shadow was behind him and a white shadow's claw would stick it up yes it does i don't know if that was intentional but i thought of it yeah nice nice pull um all right number 44 Uh, Wolverine enters the temple-like structure hoping to find his friends and stop Black Shadow. Telepathic voices try to warn him away. Since Wolverine can apparently smell crazy, 
he knows this used to be an insane asylum. He finds his friend and is warned by the white shadow to leave and stay out of the way. Wolvie attacks him and gets bounced from the building. Um, he breaks back in to confront the black shadow. After freeing himself, he finds Big, Naked, and Crazy, who grows a black shadow out of his chest. That's Shian Koi Man. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> You've read that story, though, right? You got that yes. part of the mutants. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, story. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm contemporary with this at this point. Okay. So, good, good, good. Yeah. It, it reminded me very much of Shian Koi Man, though. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Um, but if it was really her, we, we wouldn't see the nipples. They would be, they would <laughs> be obscured by vines. By vines or by long shaggy hair or something. Or is he a mold on his knees? What's I don't know what's going on there. Uh. Uh, I don't know. It's just gross. Yeah. Um, actually, that page almost feels like it belongs in a Spawn comic. Yeah. I did not think that, but I agree. Um, so so I, the first page of the story is one of the things I was talking about. Really solid um, short man proportions. Yes. It almost goes too far, possibly. I think he's verging on puck level <laughs> of the height same here. Thing. Yeah, but you know, he's 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 got the right idea. Right. Oh, by the way, this chapter is called Blood Craze. I forgot to say that. Blood Craze. Yeah. You can see more shortcuts with the art in this. Um, you can with that snick. That double snick page is pretty great. Um, the skeleton that Wolverine walks over looks good. I really like the frozen Wolverine. The close-up on his face looks cool. Um, but yeah, he has changed shirts since last issue. Has he? He now has he now has um, his ribs oh, covered. There you go. Someone talked to Yomtov about that. Yes, an editor finally did their job. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, oh, I do on page. Oh, go ahead. Uh, on you... page two, panel five. Yes. Um, Wolverine. What was he before he became Black Shadow, or was he always that thing? And then there's the White Shadow, and he sort of outlines the mysteries behind the story. Right. And I was realizing how much at this point I just don't care. <laughs> I think I moved very, very swiftly from giving the story the benefit of the doubt to giving, to 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 giving Frog all about this story. <laughs> Um, and I, I really, I, I'm confused. Okay, I'm, help me, help me out here. Okay, I will try. Where did Black Shadow get handcuffs? And does he keep like a key ring somewhere, like in a drawer, maybe on a in a desk with his? I'm assuming the shadow lamp? has pockets that has the other bald guy sitting in there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Uh, no, yeah, I don't know. I, just, I guess I thought the handcuffs were just left over from. I mean, this was an another culture insane asylum. Okay. Okay. And yeah, I can I can see that. So I see it's like just, the horror movie aspect of that kind of like a insane asylum done wrong, right? And that's why this character, whatever happens, happened to him because you know he's probably abused or mistreated, um, and that helped spark his mutant power uh, and by the way when Wolverine's walking through the spider web and talking about the mystery behind I was like oh this is a mutant <laughs> oh okay okay now that, that's, I, that's revealed for sure later but it wasn't really a surprise for me 
I had not twigged to that idea yet. I was just, I was just, we didn't see them get captured. No. And it just, Cause there are only, there are only three possibilities. Either black shadow put them in handcuffs, right. but black shadow doesn't think he just, he just kills. He just right. destroys white shadow put them in handcuffs, but why would white shadow do that? He's supposed to be the, the beneficial, you know, trying to stop the black shadow, but also white shadow is very determined to have the notion that you can't stop them. It's too late for them throughout <laughs> right. this entire thing. So maybe he's not as good as we think he is. And he actually did put them in handcuffs. Mm-hmm. And then you have like mega man over there who, um, doesn't ever get up. So the idea of him putting them in handcuffs didn't seem very likely either. So maybe the vines did it. Maybe. Oh. I don't know. You know, in that spawn theory, maybe you can control the gross things. Ew. Yeah. yeah. I thought that... Um, I saw you've been rereading Spawn with the youngin, haven't you? Did I see yes. that correctly? That's fun. I've only read like the first 20 issues of all of Spawn. And I, I keep meaning to get past that part. I just never have done. Oh, yeah, you got but, to. Uh, when it really gets deep into the Capullo stuff, that is, that's really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he enjoys it. It's a little bit wordy for his attention span. He right. um, he tends to have a short attention span yeah. for for an eight year old. I feel like he should be able to pay more attention than he does. <laughs> um, but but yeah, he Is enjoys. That word should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just give me a hard time. I feel like he might have more attention span than he right. does. <laughs> Stabbing right, so. the white shadow was a dumb move. He's already done this once. It was just a dumb move on Wolverine's part. Well, did he think it would be hot? <laughs> either way, either you're frozen again right. or you've just lost your flesh because yeah. it got burned. I don't know. And, Wolverine's temper. <laughs> and when he's already fighting a black shadow, he dives through a black shadow. He looks at the fat guy and suddenly another black shadow comes out of him and I was like oh there are two black shadows later on we find out he can do that it doesn't even matter but at this point I was just like how does that even happen right um this story I felt like maybe merited a three because stuff actually is happening but my boredom actually took it down a point so I gave this two <laughs> out of six snow covered claws I was actually kind of getting interested. I agree with you. They should not be chained up because there's no one there to chain them. I definitely concede that point. But we, but we have another Wolverine kicking a rock and farting. So, I can't where's that? Where's that. The po- oh, there's the poot. Yeah, oh, another poot coming it. out of his butt, and he's also kicking a rock again. So Wolverine quit kicking rocks, or quit he's eating a shark rocks. for breakfast. <laughs> I never thought he was Russian. Maybe that's Colossus. <laughs> Uh, the Putin joke, guys. Yeah, Putin. That's that's the podcast you're listening to. <laughs> Write in and tell Jason what you think about his guest choices. But no, I I, <coughs> I had fun with this one. I gave it four out of six claws. Okay. And not a- it's not necessarily because of the monsters. It's just I felt it just felt more lively to me, or mm-hmm. more like the story actually had a story. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So. All right, well, we're going to have the exception to my great cover rule. Let's talk about 45. This cover is by Kevin O'Neill. Yes, I'm getting there. I'm flipping through this one. Sorry. No, that's all right. That's oh. the Puma story that's barely oh, a wait, Puma yeah, story. I'm sorry. Um, was there any other anything to highlight in that? No, um, the, the Puma story is, is really not even a Puma story. Any character could be that character. Right. There's nothing about it that yeah. makes a Puma. 
And we have Doctor yeah. Strange. I didn't never knew he had a monster apprentice, but they do like Fantasia. And then a giant, speaking of Spawn, we get a giant trash clown monster that looks like something McFarlane could have drawn a whole lot cooler. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at that. McFarlane could have drawn that a lot cooler. You're right. Yeah. Okay. 45 has a copyright and ship date of January 9th, 1990. Um, so this, if you were a comic book shop shopper, this shipped in the first of the year. So this would have been your first new issue of the new decade. Um, or, you know, if you didn't get to the shop over the holidays and got there like the first week of January, you could have gotten 44. Doesn't really matter because um, Kevin O'Neill has given us a cover that I don't really care for. Wolverine nope. is in the middle. He's spinning around at the camera going, Watcha, look at my claws. <laughs> What's wrong with his mouth? I don't know. And, and behind him, like Wonder Man and the Avengers are photobombing. Yeah, and, literally. And Wonder Man... Wonder Man has problems. What's going, going on? on? Why does he have big, right big penile coming out of his eyeballs? I, I don't, I don't know. Okay. I don't understand what's going on, but I think that it's probably prohibited in some countries. <laughs> um, the back cover is actually the better of the two. Yeah, I would agree. His stylized Hulk is, a, Hulk is not bad. His Hulk is not bad. The arm looks a little weird around the wrist area, but the Hulk is not bad. I have no clue what a shooting star is. She looks like she could be a Captain America ref. She's in the Texas Rangers, but I didn't even know existed in comics. Oh, the Texas Rangers. I learned about them from the Avengers Initiative Era. Oh, okay. They're my favorite baseball team. They're a team in every state because they have the Texas Rangers. Right, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Um, Okay, so... Evidently, we're not done with the story yet. There's nope. still three There's parts to go. <laughs> still, still a lot happening. This one is called Origins, so I will let you guess what it's about. You get three guesses, but you'll only need one. <laughs> um, here's what happens. The Black Shadow has just come out of Monster Man. Um, he's just he's a really large, fat dude sitting in a chair. So, right. like, he, I don't know. He's just... Large, uh, which you know is fine. I am also large. I am just not that large. Um, Black Shadow has come out. Wolverine starts fighting it unsuccessfully, so he decides to go for the source and kill Big Guy. And White Shadow comes out to stop him. Uh, he shouts the M word to make Wolverine stop. And no, it's not Martha. <laughs> I make the Martha joke, but honestly, I'm actually really tired of people making fun of that scene <laughs> because they don't understand it because they oversimplify it, and I will fight you over that scene. Um, no, White Shadow... Sh- <laughs> not you, Jason. Well, just, that, you know, that's fine. <laughs> the subjective you. Right. Um, the you shots, that yeah, he shot the he, Black Shadow, and the big guy are all the same person, and that person is a mutant. Yes. That's that. So Wolverine decides to sit down, crisscross applesauce, and listen to an origin story. <laughs> Except it's not much of a story. Like, it's kind of a bad story. Like, um, basically, this guy has some sort of personality issues that manifest with these violent physical manifestations of black and white shadows. Um, 
Wolverine says it's schizophrenia. I don't think that's, I don't think we use that. I think that's a mislabel that was always used, but we don't use it anymore. Right. Um, multiple personality disorder, but that's not even really a thing. So anyways, so the problem is that these two shadows always come out. He can't control when they do come out and they destroy stuff when they get out until they end up destroying each other and going away. Um, and that's, that's bad. So he goes through life unable to deal with this until he eventually comes is brought to this asylum. Uh, Black Shadow, I guess he like sat there waiting patiently for White Shadow to finish the story, but now that he's done, he attacks and kills Chun. <laughs> and he's about to blast Mai when Wolverine says something brave and dramatic because it's the cliffhanger and that's the end. Yeah. Don't believe it, bub. You still got to get past me first. Wolverine is... He doesn't go berserk, but he doesn't use his brain so much either because he keeps trying to stab these guys and keeps getting frozen. Um, But but, but wait, his adamantium lace skeleton (laughs) will prevent him from becoming an instant popsicle despite the fact that metals are freaking heat conductors. Right. Just, Just saying. Just saying. Um... So imagine White Shadow, Black Shadow as a less interesting Legion. Okay, so you have Legion, right? <laughs> right, the the whole multiple personalities as a mutant power. Um, awesome hair. But yeah, but instead of having awesome hair and really interesting kind of personalities, we just have these two black and white monsters. Um, yeah, no, I mean... Yeah, the story is on on thin legs. Or and I was just so disappointed in it because, like, okay, so earlier in the storyline, Chun and Mai had been talking about how they knew this evil guy and like they had met him, right? Um, and turns out he's just a dude who can't control his anxieties. Right. So um, they he's been work at the asylum in the doctor's office. I mean, that's not the feeling we get from their their backstory before. So how do they know the guy? I, I don't. Oh no, they that they did say that they said they worked in a hospital. Oh. They remember him coming in. Okay. But that doesn't really jive with the fact that he's sitting in this ruined asylum now, um, unless unless it's not really ruined from age. It's actually ruined from being blasted out, like last Possibly. Tuesday. Yeah, it looks really old, but maybe it's not. Maybe it is just destructive by the shadows. Maybe he just really oh. likes that retro cheek look. Yeah. Um, but like the nature of the manifestations is vague at best in the descriptions. I actually, in my synopsis, I was giving more of my interpretation of the story than what's actually on the page. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just gave, there are parts of the art that I like. Again, Frozen Wolverine can look pretty cool. Um, he liked doing it. <laughs> yeah, he, he gets frozen every chance he gets. Um, well, the, you know, the cold never bothered him anyway. No. Nah. Oh, the art was fine. The story was whimsy. Um, I gave this just a very middle-of-the-road three out of six claws. I gave it two out of six confused origins. <laughs> very good. Um, I don't want to skip over the fact that we get a Hulk story where he wrestles Hulk Hogan. Um Oh, look at that! Yeah, I had completely great. flipped past this story. And he gives Hulk Hogan a wedgie. And not only that, like, pretty much... I know Hulk Hogan 
at least at this point in time before he we went a little nuts, was pretty um, self-depreciating, right? He would have been down for a good story that pokes fun at his persona. But he really comes out like just a big dumbass in this story. I, mean, I can't imagine he got this issue home and showed Brooke or whoever. And was like, hey, look, I'm in the comics, brother. And she's like, you're an idiot, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> and they basically said you don't have the right to be called the Hulk. <laughs> But, um, yeah, and there's a fun little part where there's a really what do you call so you, you can't do this anymore back then, before we were kind people, um we drew really weird looking cartoons and called them and we'll, we'll say moronic that's that's not offensive, uh very moronic looking Thor, Captain America, and Spider man. Um, and then we have our, our bang, bang, shoot, shoot story with shooting star where basically the whole story is about, I'm a girl and I can shoot stuff. So, yeah, that's probably, you know, <laughs> worth doing. Yeah. <laughs> the, right. the arts, the arts solid in the yeah. shooting star. Yeah, it was, it was, um, I like her face. I like the faces throughout. Um, you know, the late eighties are when costumes started becoming so skin tight that they cupped under the boob used to be skin tight costumes. Didn't cup under the boob. They would, right. you know, flare off of the boob and then just go down. Cause that's what clothes actually do. <laughs> yeah. Clothes don't cup under the boob. Right. Um, aside from retaining that feature, I don't think she's necessarily portrayed too sexually throughout oh. all this. Um, so, yeah, I have no idea if the story was competent because I didn't read it, but... It was fine. It was neither here nor there. Okay, well, I guess... Number 46. All right. We only well, have two chapters all, left. Yeah, first of all, so th- this, this cover is by Rob Liefeld. I freaking love this cover. Yeah? Yeah, I like it so much. Um... Just he looks so just pissed off, and he's got cuts on him, and he looks like he's probably naked. <laughs> we got shadow crotch going on. He's got arrows sticking out of his shoulder. Um, you flip over, and you have little skinny panels of Neymar, Aquarian, and Devil Slayer, which you know, whatever. But um, no, I love this cover. Um. And a little story. So I've, I've talked on the podcast before about the legendary Boxo comics that Cameron and I got. Well, this is one of the comics I snagged from that box because I thought the cover was so cool. And also, this comic is why I never collected Marvel Comics Presents. This issue right here. Yeah, because I opened this up and I was like, oh, look at this cover. This is awesome. This Wolverine guy looks amazing. And I read this story and... Like maybe I don't like Wolverine so much. <laughs> and then later yeah. I ran on I read Uncanny X Men. It's like oh yeah I do like Wolverine, but <laughs> you know I mean th- th- this could have been the story that made me not ever read Wolverine again. But um, which is weird because I actually which, liked which it is, more this time than I did as a kid. But I feel like it's dangerous, honestly, on from a publishing perspective, to put out a comic like. Marvel Comics presents. Yeah. 
Um, if you're going to do an anthology story, if you're going to do an anthology series, I feel like you should have definite plans and definite goals for each story you put in that comic. Right. They don't have to be groundbreaking, but they need to be solid because, you know, that's going to be some person's first exposure to that character. It's one of the things about Marvel Team-Up. People who collect Marvel Team-Up, that's going to be maybe the first time they read about the Beast or Hercules or whatever. So you want to have a solid story, at least a solid portrayal of the guest character to get people to hopefully buy the other comics. That's why these things exist. And if you're throwing shit stories into these magazines, which... No, that's that's Marvel Comics presents the legacy is is a lot of crappy stories, and they're not all that bad. No, there's no. some that are worse than others. Yeah, um, there are some that stand out in my mind as being things that you know I'll ask you to pay me to cover. Not really, but um, <laughs> but you know it's 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 a great idea for a comic that I feel like was executed the opposite of how it should be. Well, so let me ask you this because. In my somewhat limited experience, right, on, on these types of books, I've generally found this to be the case. Like I'm, There's not a whole lot of anthology books that I just love. Um, Marvel Team-Up would be somewhat of an exception, right? Um, and this is not an anthology, but that's just another example of right, you know, characters showing right. up in another book that you might get exposed to. Yeah, and so that's, I guess, a bad example. But um, there's not a whole... Un- now, you've probably read more of the DC-type anthologies than I ever have, because I've probably read about, you know, two of them. But, um, well, it's because anthologies used to be the standard. Right. Anthologies used to be the expectation. Marvel doing feature books of a single character, of a single story throughout the entire book, that was not the way things were done at the time. Yeah. But even, like, because I've been reading... Um, on my Marvel Unlimited, a lot of the old anthologies, like the pre-superhero ones, kind of mm-hmm. leading up into the superhero age. And there's a lot of interesting things, but there's also very much a formula to most of those stories. Um, uh-huh. So there's not much difference between like Strange Tales to Tales to Astonish to Journey into Mystery. Like pre-superhero, those, those stories are all pretty much... Um, Slightly interesting concept, and oh, we just learned what irony is. <laughs> and they all, like, all of them had like the ironic twist at the ending. Like I feel like M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong, like grew up on like '60s Marvel <laughs> comic or '50s with Marvel. With a twist. With a twist. <laughs> no, I, and I, I think you're you're not wrong there. And really, part of the problem is that, that was the 1950s, which right. was a really low point for comics in general. Yeah. Um, you you bought a comic because it told stories in your genre. Not because the stories were doing anything really that interesting. It was just, right. you know, bubblegum fiction for, for young people to read. But, you know, getting into this started, what, 1989, 1988? And you'd expect that they would be, I don't know. More mature? Yeah, they, they yeah. know that older people are reading X-Men. They know that older people are reading their superhero comics. So they're going to have older people judging these stories, and some of the stories are just not that great. Um, but I don't know. Uh, 
I was thinking though while we were talking that at the beginning of the podcast you said there was going to be some podcasting history about two thirds of the way through this. Have we passed that point? Well, it was just yeah that this book was in that that legendary box of comics that me and Cameron. Oh, that's given. right. Okay, yeah. good, good, good. Yes. Yeah. Um, my thoughts on the cover are that the colors throw me off. I think it's the colors that are throwing me off. Oh, because. Okay. Um, I want to see this when it's just line work. Interesting. Because, I mean, it's the kind of Wolverine, Liefeld Wolverine that was style that we had back in the alien invasion mm-hmm. story that we did together. Yes, very much. Um, I liked theirs. So I'm not sure exactly what's throwing it off for me here. Is it the purple outline? Like that part of the color or the color of Wolverine? Maybe the color of Wolverine. There's just a lot of pink. Yeah. Okay. And it, it, I don't know, it just doesn't, it, it seems weird. So maybe a, the whole thing are recolored, or if you took the colors out, I might like it more. Right. And you're, um, are you reading digital, like the Marvel, or just digital stuff you um, have? Have. Okay, cool. Because sometimes I have noticed on Marvel Unlimited, a lot of stuff gets recolored. So mm-hmm. there can be a, a difference there as well. Um, Sometimes things get exaggerated in the wrong direction. <laughs> um, right. This might look different on paper than it does in right. the scan. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll tweet it at you later when I, after the episode goes up. You can compare. But it's probably not that much different. Um, all right. Well, anyway, in this story, uh, Wolverine distracts the black shadow from Mai as the shadows fight. The white shadow decides it has to kill... Um, the human form to stop Black Shadow. But Black stops White, so Wolvie goes after Big Naked and Crazy, who protects himself with multiple little Black Shadows. Black Shadow kills the White Shadow. Wolvie fights his way in for the kill, but realizes the Black Shadow is about to get my. Um, and in the first page, the Black Shadow is reach- reaching with little pincher fingers right for Mai's boob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is um he is the lesser side of the guy's personality, so <laughs> if there's a little if there's a little bit of molesting going on in his brain there, I would not be surprised. Because that is the baser part of humanality. Yeah. Um we come in on Black Shadow Menacing Mai. We go out on Black Shadow Menacing Mai. <laughs> no. So there are some shenanigans around that, but we're basically left in the exact same situation we started in. Right. Which makes this the lowest chapter of the book for me. Okay. I had fun enough. I gave it three out of six claws. What'd you give it? I gave it one. One. Okay. This you, is... Um, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> it's the slowest Black Shadow kill on record. Right. Um, and there's some story inconsistency here because these are all manifestations of his personality so oh. why would white want to kill the body, but black want to kill white? And if he does want to commit suicide, then why does whenever Wolverine goes to menace the physical body, why do more black shadows come out? And if he doesn't want to commit suicide here, why does he spoilers change his mind at the beginning of the next chapter? I mean, there's just, it's, it's, the nature of what's going on here is bothering me. Also, Wolverine misuses his pronouns on the first page. And I know you're in a tight situation, Logan. Could you please take the time 
choose your proper compound subjects. <laughs> Only my and I were still breathing. Only me and my were still breathing. Me and my and Irene, was it me, myself, and Irene? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no, nothing you said was wrong. Um, I don't disagree with any of it. Um, also, he destroys the white shadow. That happened all the friggin' time. We saw that happen. Like, black and white shadow fought. They got obliterated or whatever. They disappeared. So he can make more. Why is he not making more now? That's I guess that's not how the well, plot... Even though that's how the plot has worked. Yeah, they decided there's only one white shadow. Um, so either that means that in the previous occasions, when they disintegrated together, they're both just going home to the belly, I guess. Or, um, I don't know. But I guess since he gets destroyed by the Black Shadow, it's more permanent. Uh, the more we talk about this, I'm going to have to lower my grade, so we should probably move on. <laughs> <laughs> it's not It's not very good. <laughs> I see nothing of note in any of the backups. No, not really at all. Um, there's another environmental uh, Namor story. Uh, not as pretty as the Jim Lee one from several issues back. Um, but yeah, something about a whale, which I don't, I don't even know what this Aquarian dude is. And we get a, a nineties remake of the devil Slayer where he turns into Rambo. Um, <laughs> so there you go. All right. All right. Number 47, the last part. Marvel comics presents 47 shipped on February 6th. 1990 and it has a john byrne cover yeah a wolverine slashing through the paper of the cover it's really cool i really dig it and um you have captain america as one of the other stories in the issue so he's on the back uh we get a uh so we get a john byrne captain america too which is really great and there's a cool thing happening with the cover i'll describe for the listeners um so the Wolverine cover is purple, it's violet, and he's slashing through it. So his three slash marks are opening up areas behind the cover where we see the other characters. So like Cap is in one slash space, Devil Slayer is in the second, and Arabian Knight is in the third. Because Devil Slayer and Arabian Knight, I definitely know who they are. Um <laughs> You might remember Arabian Night from the old Contest of Champions series. I was thinking Arabian Night feels like a guy who was probably cameoed in Contest of Champions. Because <laughs> <laughs> it did like the multicultural heroes from out yes. of nowhere. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I feel like Devil Slayer was probably in a Marvel team up issue. So I think I have actually seen Devil Slayer before, but I know nothing about him. Okay. I guess we should do this. Um, the final... Holy sweet Buddha, thank you. Final part of Black Shadow, White Shadow is entitled Shadows in the Light. Shadows in the Light. (laughs) Here we go. Big dude in the chair sees Wolverine approaching with his claws. But he decides to save Logan the Trouble. He lifts himself off of his chair and flumps his bulk forward right onto Wolverine's claws, landing so hard that Wolverine is unprepared for the shift in weight, and the unbalanced force wrenches his arms out of their sockets, leaving Wolverine a bloody mess. No, that's no. not really what I mean. How How does he not get squished? 
Yeah, I don't know. He's just all happy dandy on the next page, and yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. And this guy's wow. literally falling on top of him. Mm-hmm. And claws, claw deep in his nipples. And um, just the next page, he's off to the side, and Wolverine is like, let's fight some shadows. And if Wolverine did try to extract himself, like the claws are at the wrong angle. So as he pulled them out, as he was coming away, um, they, you know, his arms would come on. I mean, it just, it would be bad. So, um, anyways, we actually, the guy falls down on Wolverine, but we move past that very quickly. We don't really see how that works out. He just commits suicide. Wolverine looks around. He's surprised to see black shadows are still menacing, but they do eventually start poofing out as the life finally leaves the body on the ground. This means that my, the pretty damsel in distress who can't die because she is the pretty damsel in distress. <laughs> she is saved from the menacing black shadow who has taken forever, freaking long, like five ever to kill her. Um, so he starts, he doesn't poof though. He starts like convulsing with energy waves or something. He and Wolverine's like, Oh no, this yeah. is bad. He what? He fooms. He foom. Oh, he does foom. But that's that's after Wolverine grabs my. He he checks the handcuff chains, <laughs> freeing her, and bounds away with her in his arms as the black shadow explodes behind him, destroying the asylum slash castle slash haven thing. So Logan and my leave. Yeah. Um, it explodes so hard they fly to a boat. <laughs> right. They decide to spend the next couple days making out, probably French kiss or something. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's, yeah, Logan goes to Lin Chow's husband's home, I guess widower's home at this point. He rescues the kids from their terrible father because we definitely knew that was happening. Uh, he takes <laughs> them with him back to Madripoor to live with their grandparents. He ruminates about how the kids have a home, but he doesn't have a home. They have family, but he doesn't have family. Except he has friends, and friends are family, and that is the I'll be there for you. Right? You're there for me, too. But he's not a 20-something, like, living with, dealing with city life. He's, he's fucking 120 years old. Um... So the black shadow's taking too long to die, and the last one going out after the others went out makes no sense. Um, Mm. Logan was ignoring Mai's overtures earlier, but now he is totally down for some happy Harry love time. (laughs) Um, the kids with their terrible dad thing was, was either barely set up or not even set up. It had next to zero to do with the plot. So it just feels tacked on at the end. And the attempts at an emotional beat with side Wolverine's monologue just fall flat. Yeah. Um, this is a terrible issue. Yeah, I w- didn't like it for completely different reasons than I didn't like the last one, but I'm going to go with one out of six non-sequitur endings. Eh, I'll need two out of six, but just barely. Um, yeah, and um, let's see. The Captain America story is kind of fun. Yeah, it goes to an old folks home, old veterans. And I like how you didn't even give any thoughts on it. You just like, yeah, I did it too. Let's go. <laughs> I'm done. This story sucks. Um, it had a few good moments and some good art, but it's it's pretty terrible. Um, yeah, but, uh, there's a nice little twist. 
uh, the Captain America story where um, the old guys saved the day. Um, the art's weird, though. Captain America goes from being, like, normal, awesome-looking Captain America to, like, there's several panels where he looks like pre-cap Steve Rogers. Was that just super skinny? Um, it's weird. But then the Arabian Nights uh, has decent art, but a, kind of a dumb story about a demon baby. Um, yeah. As you do. <laughs> All right. Well, that, my friends, was Black Shadow, White Shadow. I feel like I have to give a caveat. Um, because I have no memories of Marvel Comics Presents from a, uh, being a child except for the Weapon X story. I didn't read it. Right. So I'm not reading Marvel Comics Presents, you know, remembering that I didn't like it and coming at it and not liking it. And I, I am giving each story a fair shake. So next time we do a story or two, I go into the story ready for something, you know, new. Right, and yeah. And hoping, hoping to like it because um, – if listeners don't know me from other places, I like liking stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't like reading stuff. I don't like, so <laughs> the fact that this story was, was, was such a disappointment is actually really disappointing. Not, I just go in to hate the story because it's Marvel Comics presents. Right. No, I'm right there with you. Um, most of this stuff, like I said, I got that comic, that one lonely Marvel comics presents with the awesome life held cover. And I was like, I'm not going to buy this. And so I never read Marvel Comics Presents. Even the Weapon X thing, I didn't read till much later. Um, so all of these are brand new to me. Um, I, I, won't, I won't say what it says about the series that I was able to buy like the first hundred on eBay for like $35. <laughs> Even the Weapon X issues were in there for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, they were probably $34.50. Uh, <laughs> And then throw the rest in for a couple of quarters right. and you're good. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. So I'm with you. Like, I'm not, I'm not coming at this to like, oh, it'll be fun to come hate on Marvel Comics Presents. Like, I was hoping we get some good stories. And if you remember, we really liked the first story. Like, that first, mm-hmm. that first, like, kind of pre-solo Wolverine kickoff was really good. Um, and there are some fun stories coming up. I'm sure um, there are. It's, the one thing about anthologies is you get to kind of approach it new every time because every time the story changes, it's a new creative team, right? And so yeah. you get to see what their take is going to be. I think to me the, the disappointing part about this is I went into this also thinking that I was going to enjoy Marv Wolfman's take on Wolverine. And other than a few cool internal dialogue lines, I don't care if Wolfman ever comes back to Wolverine again. I <laughs> mean... I feel like he understands some of what's going on with Wolverine, but right. doesn't really have a handle on right. portraying that. Yeah, and, you know, if it's his first stab and maybe possibly last stab, I mean, there's no reason he necessarily should have a handle, but he didn't really take advantage of like, oh, this is my chance to tell like a really cool Wolverine story. He just kind of, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. That was disappointing too. Um, because, you know, I, like I said, I generally speaking like Wolfman and, you know, his name's so similar to Wolverine. There should be like a camaraderie <laughs> there. Um, Wolverines are not wolves. True. True. They're, they're testosterone weasels as we discussed earlier. Right. Um, but yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I'm hoping the next story by Eric Larson, right? Eric Larson does the pencils on that Spider-Man story, right? 
I think so. Yeah. If I remember right. Yeah. And I remember being, you know, a fun little jaunt. I yeah. mean, nothing, nothing super spectacular, but you know, it's, it's Eric Larson. So it's going to be a lighthearted, bombastic action. And in that vein, I remember enjoying it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And so, so that'll be coming up in a, a few episodes. We have to, uh, of course, go through the other stuff. Um, so coming up soonish, in, at least in the flashback area of the podcast, um, we have, of course, the return of the Reavers to kind of wrap up or start getting towards the, the end of the Outback area of Uncanny X-Men. Um, we have the return. Speaking of John Byrne on this last cover, we have the return of Byrne in the solo series. And then if the timing works out right, I'm hoping to kind of do our anniversary episode for the podcast on uh, Acts of Vengeance. So see if I can pull together something fun for that. Um, but yeah, so lots lots coming down the pipe. Um, John, uh, thank you so much for coming back on. Uh, what are you up to these days? Not a lot. Oh. So I, I guess I was... And not, there's nothing wrong with this. It's not a, a, me passing a judgment. I was just, I thought you were reading all that Thor to do a podcast, but it was just to listen to a podcast? To listen. Okay. Yeah, to listen to a podcast. Okay. So, so Bummer. I was looking I, forward to hearing your thoughts on on. Apologies. No, I, uh, and I should say I am followable on Twitter at John Reads Comics with no H. Um, and yeah, I was, because I follow the Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men podcast. And they took a summer break while Jay moved to the States and got married and got resettled in New York. Um, And while they were doing that three-month break, Miles decided to do a three-month podcast limited series on the Walt Simonson run on Thor. Nice. So um, I wanted to jump in on that, but being who I am... Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I thought, well, you know, if I'm going to read a huge old stretch on Thor, I might as well understand what all's going on ahead of time. So I'll just read all of the Thor that came before <laughs> the Walt Simonson Thor. Which is a lot. <laughs> yeah, because Walt Simonson's final issue is the 300th issue of Thor. Yeah. So 382 is the 300th issue of Thor. And um, that's his final issue. So we're starting the podcast at 337. So I read my own <laughs> Thor head reading had made it up to the early 100s, like 100 aughts or 100 teens, somewhere in there. So I started where I left off oh, okay, and just cool. read all the way through. It looks and, like you read some pretty fun stuff, I got to say. It made me, made me definitely want to revisit or actually visit a lot of that for the first time. And so you piqued my interest in nothing else. Yeah, the um, there were some definite highlights. There were some definite doldrums. Um, right. Roy Thomas did some really unexpected things that I really enjoyed. Oh, cool. It involved the Eternals. And if you're going to read that, you really should go ahead and just <laughs> go through the 20 issues of Jack Kirby's Eternals first. Well, because Kirby. it's all based directly on that. And, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, I am glad. Even though Walt Simonson starts off so fresh... And does things so new, almost from beat, the first beat. I'm glad that I had it all under my belt because I feel like I, I know the characters a lot better than I would if they were just designs and names going in. Right. Awesome. Well, yeah. So um, just just to kind of put that in perspective too, um, if you are not following John on Twitter and you like my Twitter feed at all, his is just 
like to the nth degree of the stuff you would like from mine. Just lots of comic <laughs> stuff, lots of great panels, lots of little comments about what's going on in the issues. It's it's a really fun feed to follow. Um, so do yourself a favor and, and hop on that. Thank you. Yeah. And it was fun doing this. I, I'm glad we got to do this. I'm looking forward to doing the next one. And um, I, I looked ahead. We have a very fun story with Eric Larson and one of my less favorite stories from Rob Liefeld. Uh-oh. Okay. Well, I haven't so, looked that far ahead yet. but um, those yeah. I think those are both three-parters. So just in the back of your head, it might be fine to do them both in one episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll see how they fall in with other things going on. But that might be a good possibility. So. Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it. We're uh, we're coming up on two hours, so that's probably more than this story deserved. But hopefully you enjoyed listening to the podcast, and I know we enjoyed talking about it, even if we didn't enjoy reading all of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun to podcast with yes. Jason, so that's good. Right. And likewise. So, so again, thanks, John, for coming on. Um, as far as the podcast that goes, Nicked, of course you can like the Facebook page. And Twitter's at SnickCast. And if you care about show notes, those will be on the website, snickcast.podbean.com. And yeah, I'll try to, I'm, I'm trying to do better about the space between flashback episodes. It's just, you know, babies. What are you going to do? Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so until next time, everybody, um, go out on Twitter, give John a big old hug. And um, yeah, hugs and snicks. Check you later. Bye. Bye. And snacked.